This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. It's the final Monday of the month, so you know that it's time for another roundup of environmental news with the good folks from Journalism Portal, Makaranga. So today, Lau Yahua and Wong Siu Lin join me to discuss how over 53 NGOs are calling for more transparency surrounding environmental impact assessments by the Department of Environment. Before we turn to the good news that uh, Dewan Rayat has approved the National Forestry Amendment Bill, RUU 2022. And looking forward to August, we've got a few observation days to look forward to as well, such as World Elephant Day, World Orang Utan Day. And we're going to discuss how we can support these days. Welcome both of you. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Always a pleasure to have you. So Yahua, we missed you last month. So I just want to say congratulations, you know, on the Press Award win. I said that last month, but I just want to say it to you. (laughs) Thank you. A win for us all. A win for us all. Um, And so now let's just kick it off straight uh, with uh, the EIAs. Yeah. So as I mentioned, over 50 NGOs calling for something that I I guess in theory, right, should be guaranteed, isn't it? Transparency of EIAs. Uh, And they're also asking that the DOE, the Department of Environment, makes EIA data publicly available on the internet and that they regularly update their databases. Um, Not much of an ask, but I mean, what are some of the struggles? I know you guys, uh, you know, do a lot of reporting using these sorts of EIAs. Tell me about that. Yeah, nothing is really guaranteed. <laughs> um, you said transparency is guaranteed. I, I, I don't think it is. So what, what happened was, as we all know, I guess the nation, us, the world, has been hit left and right uh, of late. And, uh, you know, with one environmental crisis after another, you know, floods, fires, droughts, landslides in, in the past few years, all these things happening. And we, I guess the public, uh, well, me, uh, let's, let's talk for myself. But, you know, I really want to know, what happened? How did it come to this? Uh, who's responsible? Who should be monitoring this? Were the projects supposed to be done better? Could they have been done better? Were there uh, safeguards in place and all these things, right? What could have been done to prevent this? And all of that information, uh, most of it is contained in this document called the Environmental Impact Assessment uh, Report, which if a project exceeds a certain size or is being done uh, in a certain place, it has like, for example, like an you know, environmentally sensitive area or, or a certain slope, you know, under certain conditions, then the developer has to submit this document and then it can be, it can be huge. Yeah? The document can be hundreds of pages depending on uh, what type of uh, EIA report it is. So it's a wealth of data, right? And it serves to guide the developer to actually think about the impact of their projects and how to mitigate that environmental impact and the social economic impact, right? So it's a guideline to help everyone actually from the authority to the developers to you know all the stakeholders involved. Now, what Rimba Disclosure and 52 other NGOs and then also four individuals, you know, they released this press statement, this joint press statement on the 7th of July, calling for the Department of Environment uh, which you know sort of regulates and oversees this EIA to improve the transparency in the processes. Now, what are they calling for? They're calling for the DOE to update the list of EIA reports on the DOE's website, mm-hmm. and and to extend that list to you know not just the past two years or the past three years, but then to ten years before. It's, now they're only asking for a list, right? And then. Uh, they also asked that uh, the joint press statement also calls for uh, making that the reports available online. Yes. You know, it's fine if you don't send a hard copy to everyone. That's that's not logical. But but at least make the soft copy online. 
Now, what's the purpose of all these you know, calls and demands, right? It's at the most basic level, it is to make this information easily, freely accessible to everyone, to the Malaysian public. Uh, or anyone at all who wants to read it, right? Even the EIA consultants later and the government officers, you know, if, for example, if Department of Fisheries want to look at the project, they can just go to the DOE website and look it up, right? They don't have to call the DOE officers or go to the library to look for it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so all this kind of uh, information should actually be readily available already. And, and they are, you know, when the project is submitted for public review in the first, I think the first 30 days, they are there online for, for anyone to go read it. But after that, it's taken off. Mm. And then, well, you have to use all your resources available to go look for it. We have tried, uh, many NGOs have tried. It's really difficult to get that copy. Oh my gosh. Um, and then sometimes when they put it online, you can't even download it. Like they made it so that you cannot download it. So you have to like read slide by slide, you know, hundreds of pages. If you really want to do a good job, it's like, two, three hundred, four hundred pages you know, with appendixes and all that kind. Mm. So yeah, just make all of this information available and be transparent about it because now the list, well, they change the, the design of the website now and you know, now, now and then. And then every time they change it, like the URL is different. So then you have to go look again, where is the list now? And then the, the list itself changes. It has changed several times in the past seven months. Wow. Uh, some things are there, some things are not there. Yeah, so it's hard for journalists at least to verify stuff. Has this EIA been submitted? We can't check the list because the list changes. So yeah, in a nutshell, that's what they're calling for and that's the real need for that, yeah. Yeah, so it begs the question, why make it so difficult if it's something that's supposed to be, you know, for the public? And Ah, yes. So we have asked, of course, every time we ask for that document, the Department of Environment would tell us it is not our copy, right? It is the developer's asset. So you go and ask the, the developer. Doesn't yeah. doesn't quite gel, isn't it? Because it's a matter of public interest if it's like, you know, it, yeah. It, yeah, I don't Lots know. Of questions it, I see. That's, that's what it is. Yeah, and then so one example of, of well, there are many examples of, of, of this uh, being an issue, but one would be uh, an example that Makaranga just published, uh, you know, on, on our website. No, it's, it's, it's a project in northern Johor, uh, a new oil palm and coconut plantation project. Now, there are several issues that we can ask or, or question about this project. But, you know, pertaining to the transparency of EIA, well, this project wasn't listed on the website. Uh, it is listed in the public review section, mm -hmm. but it is not listed in the list of EIA reports. So if you, if you only follow that list to look for the latest one, you won't find it there. But then you have to look elsewhere to see, oh, that now is up for public review. And that section on public review is not the easiest things to, to find. Well, in my personal opinion, they should make it much more obvious. So yeah, but anyway, that, but as for the other questions about, or, or about this project, yeah, just go ahead and read our story on, on Makaranga. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there's another one on the Baling Flats too, which, you know, yeah, Stealing can talk about. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the you know the whole fiasco over the Baling floods. First, first of all, it was a real tragedy, right? Twelve villages were affected. Three people died. All this this horrific sort of water and logs and debris just just coming down. Uh, what is in effect, you know, is this Yoho went and, and, and dug uh, Google Earth and, and found actually it was really a small stream. You're just coming down this thing and causing devastation. And then starts all the the, the slew of finger pointing, you know. So the durian planter said, you know. 
his site had an EIA, but the logging had been carrying out 10 years previously, you know, and then for allowing the durian plantation, each Menteri Besar started blaming the previous Menteri Besar. So I think there were three involved, one of whom was Menteri Besar twice. And the EIA really easily available would have put a lot of these questions, you know, to rest uh, and, and all this this upset, you know, imagine if you were living in one of these villages that were impacted, you know, it's, it's horrific. Uh, so the floods happened on the 4th of July. Only on the 9th of July did the news at least report, uh, you know, uh, the Department of Environment saying, yes, there was an EIA for this proposed forest plantation in, in, in the mountain or the hill up there, which is Gunung Inas. You know, it was approved in 2013. So and, and then he had to name the EIA report that was actually done because uh, NGOs who were very upset, you know, uh, maybe community groups, they couldn't find it. They couldn't find it online, as uh, Yahuat said, you know. Uh, but basically, yes, it was, it, they did allow, it was an EIA allowing the development of 5,000 hectares of forest plantation in a forest reserve, mm-hmm. but it's perfectly legal, it's perfectly allowable. So a lot of questions and and like you said, we that EIA were, gave so many answers, right, which goes back to why these things are so important. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would just like to add, you know, uh, something that just happened last week. Well, it's something that's been going on for a long time. So this proposed amendments to strengthen the Environmental Quality Act, which is the Environmental Quality Act that sort of uh, legislates, or I'm not sure what's the governs, proposal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Governs the, uh, the, the need or, or that stipulates the need for the EIA mm. report, right? Mm. So the EQA Act, the EQA is the mother of all environmental law, if you want to put it that way. Sure. So yeah, but there are there have been efforts to propose amendments to strengthen the EQA, the Environmental Quality Act. And last Thursday, uh, you know, the parliament is sitting, and last Thursday, this question was asked uh, by YB Yobin uh, to, you know, what's the progress of these uh, amendments to the EQA? And the deputy minister, if I remember correctly, uh, well, in, in any case, Kasa replied that, you know, the phase one, which phase one of the amendments, which deal mostly with the compounds, uh, I guess stricter compounds, uh, will be tabled. Uh, they, they expect to be tabled in the October sitting. But the rest of the amendments, phase two, which is the overall strengthening of the EQA, they expect it to be the draft to be ready. Guess when? 2025. Oh, dear. <laughs> and, and this this act is a 1974 act. <laughs> so that's that. Okay. You've left me speechless, but I, I <laughs> we, we just got to move on to the next one. So I, I guess this was kind of good news. The Dewan Rakyat approved the National Forestry Amendment Bill 2022, which ensures that the National Forestry Legal Framework moves, I suppose, in line with uh, current developments, right? So there's 62 clauses, 44 section amendments. There's so much more, two schedules, um, a replacement of five sections and a deletion of one existing section. Uh, yeah, tell me, what are your thoughts on this? Is it a step in the right direction? Absolutely. I think, uh, as Yawha said, we, we really need to strengthen these laws. We need to, you know, the, the, he used the uh, word transparency. La. We just need laws to work, we, we, but we also need transparency. And I think this is something that uh, some of the NGOs actually have said. And, you know, some of these amendments were actually posited, pushed, cajoled, you know, encouraged to be adopted for the Forestry Act by NGOs, actually. Uh, but obviously, the Forestry Department and, and the ministries have been working quite hard as well to make sure that they were acceptable. And, you know, making a law is not easy. So this one is only 29 years old, unlike the EQA. Uh, so it's 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 great. It's It's got passed, yeah, uh, unanimously, yeah. You, you mentioned some of the, you know, the the numerous sort of changes that have been uh, part of this. And, and basically, uh, there are some very good ones, which are... Um, 
um, mentioned by uh, the ministry that is relevant for this, uh, KETSA, and uh, some of them really are that they are actually um, trying to tighten the de-gazettement of forest reserves through such access public inquiry. They're going to make that mandatory. Uh, another good one that they have mentioned is that it's going to empower forestry officers. And yet another one is that there's going to be higher penalties for lawbreakers. Yeah. yeah. So so all, all very good, all very good. So just uh, scrolling around to see what some of the Things that could have been done better, that could have been, uh, mm-hmm. you know, included, would have been that um, just just being a little bit careful again about transparency, right? So, for example, uh, in the press release, uh, you know, the ministry had said uh, one of the things that's going to happen is uh, they're going to memberi kuasa kepada pegawai hutan untuk membuat pemeriksaan ke atas orang yang disyaki, membuat kesalahan hutan. So it's basically for people who, who flout the law. So it's good you know, that forestry officers perhaps they didn't have enough power before, you know, but perhaps it's something that everybody would like a little bit more transparency about, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the big thing, of course, is is that this is a, a so-called federal law, i.e. for Peninsular Malaysia, it needs to be adopted by the states. Uh, and we have actually seen an example where, where some of these amendments were already adopted by Selangor, uh, you know, a long time ago when Pakatan Harapan took over, uh, they have instituted public inquiry, compulsory public inquiry, and they've also instituted a replacement of um, decazetted uh, forest areas, right? Uh, which I think Yahua would have something to say about. Um, and unfortunately, in the case of the North Kuala Langat uh, Pitong Forest and the um, Bukit Charaka, there's been, again, you know, things to do with the EIA as well, mm. uh, but and gazettes and, and stuff like that, you know, it's like, okay, you have instituted these things at state level, uh, and we're not quite sure how effective they are. Uh, you know, so states have, have hu- a huge say over uh, land use and, and what happens to forests. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, certainly the, the, the thing to be concerned about is, uh, you know, the replacement of forests. Uh, Yaohua? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's great. You know, two years ago when we started writing forest files, uh, we said that uh, these amendments would be like the key steps to sort of like uh, ensure that our forest reserves are better managed, are better protected, yeah. uh, used more sustainably. And wow, it's awesome that, you know, two years later, uh, we, we see it happen. And it's great. Of course, it still needs to be enacted in the state's uh, legislation for it to really take effect in the states. And it could still be changed there or it could still take a few more years. Uh, hopefully, you know, we, we get it done soon. With, uh, with uh, Even if there are changes, then hopefully there are good changes at the state level. I think that the, the public inquiry uh, would, as a first step, at least let us know that something will be de-gazetted. Because for now, we actually have to go pay to read the state gazettes to know after the fact that something has been de-gazetted, mm-hmm. right? So now if there's a public inquiry, best. Uh, simultaneous replacement, well, it'll be interesting to see where they find land. Uh, some of the states have really very little state land left to replace. So it'd be interesting to see maybe they won't be able to replace and so they cannot de-gazette anymore. Yeah, overall, good step. Yeah, uh, Johan, I just want to know, uh, I forget this now, are, they, are the forests that are going to be replaced, uh, the forests that are supposed to be identified for repla- as replacement forests, do they have to be the same quality as the forests no, that are going it, to be... It's because, not even forests, it's just land. It's just an area that, that, that would be uh, the replacement area. It just has to be uh, the same size or bigger. There's no mention of quality. Yeah, and that's, of course, one of the criticism. La. So, I mean, the, before the amendments, the Forestry Act already says that if they can, then they should replace. Now it says that they must replace. 
Before that, it was if they can, then they should replace, and it's still the same thing, replace with an area of the same size or, or bigger, no mention of quality. And we, of course, you can imagine all the problems that can arise from that. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing we have a, a one billion plant, a one billion tree campaign going on, isn't it? And uh, perhaps that could no, no, come in million, useful. Oh, sorry, 100, 100 million. Sorry, I was uh, getting too many zeros. A little bit too much there, Yulin. But yes, yeah, so there's always some balance there, I think, right, uh, when we come up with these. But let's let's move on to some uh, some other things. Um, next month, of course, well, I mean, end of this week, there's World Tiger Day. But, you know, looking forward to August, there's also World Elephant Day on the 12th. There's World Orangutan Day on the 19th. I mean, there's a lot of bad things. Like, I mean, just even about the tigers, right? Every year we celebrate it, but, you know, we're celebrating a decline. Um, but, you know, f- what are some things that we can do to support these days? You know, that doesn't lessen the importance of them, I suppose. Yeah. How can we help? How can we support? I guess one of the approaches really is when people think about World Elephant Day, focuses on the elephant. World Orangutan Day, focuses on the Orangutan. But, but, you know, conservationists have for a long time been looking at something more holistic, the animal within its habitat. And it is one of the threats that all these animals are losing their habitats. Uh, and, and so, you know, we thought that uh, you know, looking ahead, perhaps something we could look at is for, for the general public to support the, um, the, the, the replanting or, or the, the regeneration of these habitats. And, you know, do whatever we can to protect these habitats from being continuously lost. So we're going to look at these animals from the point of view of where they are. So, for example, uh, you're going to give lots of uh, examples from Sabah and Sarawak. Yeah? So in, in Sabah, obviously, uh, Lower Kinabatangan is, of course, a marvellous area where there's lots of uh, not just elephants but orangutans. Uh, and we have some fantastic NGOs working with the support, of course, of the Sabah Wildlife Department, all doing fantastic work in terms of, um, like, for example, one of the NGOs is Sarah to Atai, right? And they work with uh, the Borneo pygmy elephants, right? Yep. And and so plantations, you know, a lot of the habitats are actually surrounded by oil palm plantations, right? And they are actually reforesting, right? They are actually replanting back riparian, like riverside uh, areas and stuff like that. So, for example, Suratu Atai is advising them where to put wildlife corridors. So this is where the elephants are going. So this is where you can plant or where you need to plant, what sort of things you you, you can plant, you know, and perhaps protect it, you know, protect these areas, uh, you know, accommodate the needs of wildlife, right? Uh, so they're working with plantations and that sort of thing. Another NGO in Sabah is Hutan, yeah, and they are also helping the re- regeneration of forests for both orangutans and elephants. Um, they, they're doing it a little bit differently, they're paying local communities to replant for the for these species, right? And it's actually Orang Sungai indigenous people. Uh, and we, we have a, a wonderful photo essay by uh, a writer who, who went out there and, you know, has done a video as well. Uh, and for example, this group is entirely women, mothers and housewives, wives, wielding parangs, you know, and, and they've been doing it for a long time, 2008. And this is what you need, is really long-term commitment to replanting habitats to support elephants and orangutans, yeah? Uh, and talking of long-term, one of the big projects here in Semenanjung, we have different elephants here in Semenanjung, of course, yeah? Not the pygmy ones, uh, the Asian elephants, um, yeah. And and so you have, uh, for example, Neem, uh, a very big uh, organization working with, uh, sort of research base as well, working with on elephants, has announced, um, you know, with the support of Sandabi Foundation, long-term commitment since 2012, right? And again, working with Perhiletan, the wildlife agency, um, working together with planters, plantations, using a very large landscape approach where they cover like 19 palm estates, you know, with uh, approximately 9,000 people. And they're looking at Central Forest Spine Corridor to try and plant the fragmentation of these uh, corridors, uh, habitats for, for, for animals. Yeah? Uh, and finally, just a shout out to uh, in, in Sarawak, WWF has been doing amazing work in Sarawak. 
in terms of working with the Batang Ai Park, uh, which is next to the Lanja Intima Park. Gorgeous areas are also a transboundary area. So they're working together with Indonesia uh, in, in a national park called the Betong Kerihun uh, National Park, which is Kalimantan, mm-hmm. to have this massive protected area for orangutans. And they've been working with the local Bidayo Longhouse community to replant degraded forest. But not just with, with annual trees, they have actually uh, focused or encouraged the planting of gaharu so mm. that the locals can actually use the leaves from the gaharu tree to make tea or to sell tea leaves, you know, gaharu trees. So then they actually get something out of it as well. All right. So there's so many things that we can do as well to support, right? But of course, go look up the articles. Uh, Yahua, your article, I think, was just published uh, today, right? About uh, what's happening over in Johor. So do look out for that. Just head to makaranga.org for more information. My thanks again to both my guests, Lau Yahua and Wong Siulin, co-founders of Makaranga. If you miss any part of our conversation, download the podcast at bfm.my slash earth or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.